super badass workout this morning, by the way. I saw it. Oh, yeah, we did. That's I why I was a little that. bit distracted when I, you were talking just a minute ago, and I was watching. I'm like, oh, new toys. Dude, it, it was so good. I told Justin before you came that you were uh, very empathetic and compassionate with your training uh, energetically, and you weren't like in your face yelling at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good thing. So. What's up, everybody? It's Kev Hempel here with the Digital Legacy Podcast, and uh, it's been a year since we've had uh, both guests on, actually, and so I'm sitting here today with uh, Justin Pastorius and Mr. Dennis Dumas, and if you ask his grandma, it's uh, Dennis Dumas. 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 Yeah. I'm a heathen. So, welcome, guys. Let's, uh, we got a lot to talk about. A lot has happened in a year. And uh, we're going to let Dennis start. All right. So, you know, we, uh, we've had a pretty intense year. Reopening clubs and just business craziness and personal craziness. and Everything that's been going on. A lot of uh, this summer, really, it's the, for the first time ever, my personal life took over my business life with my dad getting hurt and spending eight or ten weeks or something like that in the hospital with him and and then you know business stuff got a club that flooded one our first time ever that wasn't able to sustain its 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 business so that's another hard one to accept but as we were going through all of that there was uh there's always a, a way to find perspective right and this right now my perspective has been with the Hendrickson family and so thinking about them and, and, all, and all that, that we try to do for them. And, you know, everyone keeps saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are doing so much for them. Really, it's, it's got to be, you know, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. For all of us, we spend, what we spend? Eight hours or something? Something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Collectively. We spent the day and then individually maybe 20 minutes doing the challenges and stuff. So while, while I understand that it's an emotional impact that we create for the family and everything, for us... You know, it's it's the least we could do, right? Yeah. But what it really started opening my eyes back up to is that, you know, the reason that we got into this industry, and we haven't shared that story a lot. We haven't shared it as much as we should. You know, Omni Fight Club started in my garage, just designing stuff in the garage. How long ago? Oh, four years ago. Four years ago, um was connected with somebody I was on my way to Australia and I was connected with somebody and I, I connected with him to ask advice about how to connect with people in Australia I was going down there to, to speak at a fitness conference and I had never been there and uh, this person I had looked up online he had been there a bunch done a bunch of stuff so I just reached out to him randomly and was like dude I need, I need a little bit of pointers and so we started talking and, and he had a concept that he wanted to, to franchise it was a kickboxing concept and so he was like you think you might be able to help me with that I'm like, that's exactly what I do <laughs> so we started designing and working in it and uh, it ended up that we we got our first location we started out on the blacktop in the parking lot in Livermore you know and I think that one of the things there's two things one we don't share that enough this grassroots understanding right of where this this, the heart, the reason there's so much heart in it, you know, the reason guys like you come and, and share the things you do on social media about it, the reason that so many of our founding members continue to post stuff that says it's different, 
You know, it's not like any other gym. It's different. It's different. It's different. And one of the big reasons that it's different is because it was born out of like mass amounts of love and labor, like the ultimate definition of love and labor. My kids crawling around in the parking lot on the turf with us all day. My wife waking up at three. Black as Justin's feet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On their knees. For real. Crawling around, hanging out on used gym equipment because we hadn't gotten our equipment yet. So we're we're using used equipment out in the parking lot. But we were just so excited to bring what what we thought was the right solution to people's fitness and wellness and all of that to the community. We were like, fuck it. Whatever it takes, we're going to do it. And we were doing it. And right now there's new people that come into the gym and they don't know that story. Right. They don't know that this isn't just all around the country. They, they see that and they probably think of us as some of these other fitness companies that were born out of a private equity company and rather than uh, a husband and a wife in the parking lot of a, of, a, of a place on the freeway. Yeah. You know? And <clears throat> to me, that story is important to start to repeat and tell. And not just because it's good for my company or our brand, but because I think it gives us an opportunity to have a greater impact think that people are more willing to open up and come in and do things that are out of their comfort zone when they know that the people who started it way the fuck out of our comfort zone <laughs> you know yeah. we were way out of it and so that story is important for me to start to tell but that's just one dimension of it that got me thinking these last couple of weeks and so that's exciting and we're going to start to share that more and we're going to use a lot of you guys, our, our founding members, there's a few hundred of you guys and we're going to start to really tap into your those people, you, you two and your family's experience and, and all the others at the club. But if you go back even further, you go back to, you know, my story, which we've talked a little bit about and that's, you know, coming out of prison and having experienced the the segregation of people at the highest level and where if you share food with people of another race you get killed literally and that part of my story is a big reason why Justin and I connect because we've we've gone through a lot of similar stuff like that you know drugs and gangs and violence and all of that and coming to fitness and his faith is are things that really keep us going and for me starting to really find the right way to tell that story is going to be interesting yeah but how this all ties back to Kyle and his family is that the sec- the level of segregation that happens in the institutions is literally sharing food between a white guy and a black guy gets somebody killed literally between Hispanic people and Mexican people and other races will get you killed sharing food you know the simplest things sharing the same phone yeah, for real. Yeah, you don't even get to share the same phone, the same toilet, same anything. And that's happening today, right now. Mm-hmm. So people look at the country and there's all, you know, all the crazy political stuff going on. But there's something so simple and, and right in front of us that that's like real and tangible and fixable. You know, I'm getting off track a little bit, but it's real and tangible and fixable is the institutions right now. Yeah. You know, there's so, it's broken. It's broken so bad. I have friends that prefer to be in the institution than on the street. That's, that's crazy. You know, that's crazy to me, but what happened for me while I was there is I, uh, I saw that and there was one thing, there was one thing that, that kept everybody united and that was 
that was movement, exercise. So to give you a couple of really good real life examples, like in fire camp, you would go out of the yard, on the yard and, and uh, to work out with your crew, you know, your people. And I ran with the Southern Hispanics, so we would go out there. And in the institutions in California, the, uh, the white people and the Hispanics are kind of cool with one another. Um, so we would go out to do some workouts and people will give you space. They will let you put on your own music and they will go inside and watch TV or do something different while you did your workout. But you couldn't go to use the same bathroom, <laughs> right? But they would give you space for the workout. What's really ironic about that is usually in the institution, you're training to fight one another. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're training in order so when the riots kick off, I'm strong enough to sustain battle with you. <laughs> California right. Fight Club. <laughs> right, but, but I'm going to give you the space you need to get ready to fight me. You know, they kind of, they, no one thinks about it like that, but that's really what you're doing in essence. And so it happened there. And then, and then I got put in, uh, I got put in administrative segregation, which most normal people know as the hole. When you're in the hole, it's a six and a half by eight foot cell that you come out of for about a half hour a month. Everybody thinks you come out for a half hour a day, but that's bullshit. That's only in the movies. In real life, you come out for about a half hour to an hour a month. Otherwise you're in the, you're in the cell. Are there windows? Uh, in the cell, no. There's there's bars. You look out the bars, and when you're in ADSEG, it's a one what they call a 180 block. So the 180 block means that I can only look out one direction, and there's no other inmates in front of me. So we're no all ways facing. to communicate. Yeah. Well, right. they think they Isolation. think you can't communicate. Right. But you you you're looking out one direction. The institution that I was in that I started in when I was in ADSEG is uh, in Chino. It was built in the 40s, I think. And so the windows are all broke out and the elements blow into your cell. Um, there's no hot water, there's no air conditioning, and there's no heating. And so there's these old bars and then there's concrete. So when it's hot, it's super fucking hot. When it's cold, it's super fucking cold, right? Because the, the, the concrete just radiates everything. Wow. So here and there, and the mo I think probably the hardest part about that was um, the showers. Because you stay in your cell, right? So you get to shower in your cell. So like those little milk cartons they give you when you're in elementary school? Yeah. <laughs> you keep one of those and you fill it up with ice cold water. A bird bath. And you bird bath. Dump it on your head. You stand over the toilet, you dump it on your head. You got a little bar of soap. You got you to gotta be sparing with that. You soap up. You rinse off. Well, then there's fucking water all over your cell. So you got to use one of two towels that you have to clean up the entire cell because everything's spick and span. Like things are clean for most people clean it up and then by the time you're done doing that you're fucking tired and hot again you know yeah but so that that was probably the hardest part for me is the ice cold showers for um, I was there for ten and a half months so ten and a half months of ice cold showers uh, really shitty food three hours a day of working out but what was what the point of this whole thing is when you're in a concrete building it's loud right you don't even really have to yell. Just normal conversation starts to echo and everything. Well, when we were, when I was in the institution, um, at that point, I had been in the institutions and in the system for about two years. And so I had gotten in really good shape, and I was leading the workouts and stuff. And what we would do is we would write the workout down on a piece of paper. We would put it in an old peanut butter packet, and then you would, that was tied to a, a string that you made from your sheets, and you would shoot it out onto the tier onto the, the concrete and then down the way one of your friends would 
shoot their string out and they would scoop it and they'd bring it into their cell. Now they have the workout. And you would pass that workout around to everybody. So people are so talented in there with this shit. They would shoot it off the tier. It would land on the concrete below. People down below you would fire one out and pull your string into their cell. And we would actually be able to pass food, books, alcohol, workouts, whatever you wanted. We would pass it up over the tier on the concrete. So I've got just a strong enough string to get you up over the thing. I'm pulling ingenuity, in. man. Wow. I'm pulling yeah. in cookies and soup. I'm pulling <laughs> in, in in time of desperation, yeah. innovation occurred. Dude, these guys got it fucking wow. down pat. Like, well, I'd be, we, they would, we would make alcohol for to party on the weekends, and we would send it over the tier. People down below would pull the alcohol in, and we would all get drunk. Point being, when it was time to work out, we would get the workouts to everybody. When it was time for us to actually execute the workout, all the other races would be quiet on the tier so that our people could hear the workout. And so I was sitting there, and I was like, man, once again, the only thing that's unifying us is movement. And exercising. So what is it? What? Why is that? So I started really getting honed in on that, right? And I was doing a lot of reading at the time. That's all I could do was read and write. So I was probably for 11 hours a day reading and writing. And that was what was resonating with me. And I was trying to figure out what it was. And then I thought I knew, right? I came home in two, on June 9th, 2008. There's, there's a lot of dates in your life where you remember the day, the time, the moment, the smell, and everything. That's one of them. <laughs> The day you the, the day you parole from the shoe in Tatchby, you remember what it was like. The first stop I made after I paroled that day was at Jack in the Box. And on the way there, my parole agent, because when you parole from where I parole from, from high control, your parole agent has to pick you up, not your family. And they take you to the parole office, and then they sit there and they, 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 they pretty much do the, like an exa psychological examination on your ass, an assessment to make sure it's okay to let you back out. And I'm like, man, you guys are tripping. I'm cool. I'm perfectly fine. Let's do this. We get the Jack in the Box, and I go over to the soda machine, and I go to get ice. And it was lunchtime. All these people started coming. I, I freaked the fuck out. I went and I left my fucking cup. I went, <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was a riot or what? It was just uncomfortable yeah, because yeah. everyone was just walking around. I had been in no, the, there was no control. Yeah, I had been in I had been in wow. in the shoe or ad seg for a year at that point. So. When you're in the shoe, the shoe is the highest level of security in the California state prison system. And I was there for, I was only there for about three months, but I was, before that I was an ad seg, which is essentially the same thing, just less fancy. And I was there for 10 and a half months. And the shoe, like when you open your door, it's the shit you see on TV where like Hannibal Lecter and shit, there's like a grid over top of you and there's dudes with guns over top of you and they follow you around. Like, it's like that. Yeah. So going from that to Jack in the Box... Like I, I was like, I'm fine. I got to Jack in the Box and I left my cup and I went and sat down next to my parole agent. And he's like, you all right, bro? Because <laughs> I had been talking shit all the way there. Like, man, you guys are tripping. I'm fine. He's like, we'll see. We're going to stop. We're going to stop at Jack in the Box. Get lunch. I'm like, you guys are fucking crazy, man. I'm a grown up. I'm straight. <laughs> Can you get my Sprite? <laughs> and my taco? Please. Please. <laughs> please. I sat down next to him and he's like, he's like, you all right? I'm like, Ugh shocked by it right but anyway I, I came home and I started really wanting to get into the fitness business lots of things happened open up my my first place in 2008 the economy had had tanked and so there was a lot of empty uh, there was a lot of empty commercial buildings around people were hurting for space and we were electrical contractors at the time so I went in and to some of my dad's customers and I was like, hey man, I just need some space. I'm gonna, I'm gonna open a gym. And these are people who know me since I was a little kid, right? Because I've been working for my dad my whole life. And they're like, 
open a gym. I was in hella good shape. It was the only reason they gave it me. In the credit, right? <laughs> At first, they were like, you're an electrician, but I was fucking cut and lean, and they're like, oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Fuck it. My, my place is empty. So I traded them all of their electrical maintenance contracts for free rent because I didn't have any money. So they're like, okay, we'll do it. Opened my first gym. There's a guy came in named Jeremy Tillman, and we started doing personal training. He walks in another day, and he's like, hey, I think you should do a group class. And I'm like, what is that? That's, I'm not doing that. That sounds stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is 2000, this is like 2009, right? People he's come like, to you to help you, right? It's not what you think you need, (laughs) but they come. He did, and he was relentless, and he's still somebody who's a mentor of mine today. And he was relentless, and he's like, you're going to like it. And he was like, and I was single at the time, so he's like, and the girls are super hot. He's like, I'm going to bring a bunch of cute girls. You'll have fun. And I was like, all right then. (laughs) (laughs) Selling point. Sounds terrible. (laughs) It's true, though. He's like, like, it's a a group, and you're going to have fun. I'm like, that sounds dumb. Like, I don't know doesn't sound like I'm gonna be able to give the right experience to everybody in a group I had to just been doing one-on-one stuff and so but fuck it we did it and obviously you know you know where we're at today yeah instant life change but what I found when he brought that group was that they these people were all so different right he didn't bring a group of like-minded or or people who shared the socioeconomic status people who it was male and female they were of all different races and they walked into the gym driving all different kinds of cars you know and it didn't matter when they got to the gym they just walked in the gym and they were like ready to train I was like alright so I saw something special in that and it started making me think about what I saw in the institution a couple years later path of events things happen I'm up in Palo Alto running a gym in downtown Palo Alto and there's a guy, he's a famous guy, he's, he owns one of the biggest tech companies in the world, and the gym that I was at is filled with all of the most powerful venture capitalist people, like super high level folks. All around that gym, there's a bunch of restaurants, and there's an alley. If you're familiar with Palo Alto, you know there's alleys between a lot of the buildings and shit, and so I would take him out sprinting in this alley, and you know, I'm from Palm Springs, so Palo Alto already, um, well, Let's be fair. I'm from Cathedral City. Mm-hmm. I say Palm Springs because nobody knows where Cathedral City is. <laughs> Cathedral City is the hood next to Palm Springs. And so I think we, I've seen a sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Driving on the freeway. Yeah, don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's bad. Like, yeah. I've, I've shared this before, but where we grew up when we were real young, like, it was tactical gear and two cops or nobody came. No pizza, no tow trucks, no, none of that shit. But... I get to Palo Alto and I'm like, damn, this place is amazing. I heard some dudes make a fucking multi-million dollar deal sitting at a yogurt shop in yeah. flip-flops and fucking, you know, look like hippies. Yeah. I'm like, like wow, it just blow, blew my mind. And so I'm, I'm out in the alley running and there's a bunch of kids out smoking cigarettes and it's all the servers and the busboys of the restaurants in the area getting ready to go on their shifts. And I would always tell them, like, come inside and work out with us. And they're like, I got the money. A couple of them I finally convinced to uh, to bring some workout gear, and I was sneaking in the back door of the gym. The gym's like two two fifty a month for a basic membership, right? So I pull them in the gym. Next thing you know, they're in there working out next to the people I mentioned earlier, some of these big tech guys. And I got this big tech guy, one of the richest people on the planet, down on his hands and knees, pounding on the fucking ground, cheering this kid on to do his push-ups. And come to find out, the kid had been his busboy 
for three or four years at their restaurant, favorite dinner restaurant, and they never even spoke to one another. Wow. Never made eye contact with one another. Didn't even know who it was until I, we stopped them and told them. So right there is when like things changed for me. I finally figured out what it was from the institutions to things happening down at home to the group to everything. It just it clicked. And to me, what it is, it, we as humans, there's not a lot of things that connect us universally, right? But I think the one thing that does is movement and our health. So sitting here today, for anybody who listens to this or for us, if I say, I have a cold, you understand. If I say I got the flu, like damn. <laughs> if I say I have cancer, changes the game and we connect there's no changing that it's the only thing we have over gender socioeconomic status race everything doesn't matter what status you are what you drive who you think you are how much money you make nothing your career your education it's irrelevant our health is the only true universal empathy we all have and it's the reason I'm in this industry it's the reason we got into this because I saw something where I could bring groups of people, thanks to Jeremy, I could bring groups of people into a room that when they walked through the doors, nothing else mattered. And it didn't matter if you were the guy who drove up in the Maserati or the guy who, who had to walk, right? It didn't matter. Once you're in the gym, nobody fucking knows. Nobody cares. And when you see somebody across the room from you, and whether it be they're just trying the last little squat and they're coming out of the bottom of that squat and you see them kind of struggling and their knees are shaking a little bit, you kind of feel it in your heart. <laughs> you know it. I've yeah. seen it today. <laughs> you feel it in your heart. You're like, you want them to get it, right? You want them to get it. Or if you're on one of the bikes in the club and you look over and someone's just on the bike, you're like that. You're like, fuck, like you get it. But I promise you, in all of my life experience, at least, in all of my life experience, I have never seen anything else that people can connect with universally other than that and every time I've had conversations like this with people I challenge them like find me something go ahead take a week take a month take a year find me something so when we when we started doing this with the Henriksen family there was a few things that resonated with me we did we started with them last December decided we were going to do a fundraiser that happened in, in uh, January of this year and for me, coming from my background, you know, getting in trouble and all of that, law enforcement holds a special place in my heart, which some people might find crazy. They arrested me, like, at the right time, right? They saved my life. If they hadn't have arrested me, everyone who I was running around with at that time is either dead or serving life. And that's a real story. That's not bullshit. Mm -hmm. And when I say dead, I don't mean, like, of old age. I mean fucking executed on the streets of Cathedral City. I mean stabbed to death in prison. That, like. Like, real life shit. People, you know, 99.999% of the people that ever listen to this, will never, they'll never understand. I'm talking about literally executed on the streets. So it's not, it's not lighthearted stuff, you know. They took me off the streets and literally, quite literally saved my life. So for me, I owe them that debt. Now, it wasn't easy. They took me off the streets and whooped my ass. <laughs> they they interrogated me. They fucked me up in those interrogation rooms. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I've had my nose broke by the police. But you know what? My dumb ass shouldn't have been doing dumb shit. Yeah. 
Like I come from a different mentality than today, right? Like today, if the police breathe on you wrong, people think it's the police fault. But you know what? If you're not doing dumb shit, they usually don't breathe on you wrong. For me, I was doing super dumb shit. So I deserve to have my ass whooped. And maybe you guys might be the same way. I know you are. When you when we were kids and you were doing dumb shit and the police caught you, you kind of expected to get your ass whooped. And then taken home to get your ass whooped again. Yeah. Right? So for me, they pulled me off the streets. <clears throat> they were heavy-handed. And they put me where I needed to be. So now I'm in a place where I can give back to them. In November, we'll be hosting another SWAT team workout bringing them in and, and getting them strong and healthy to go out and do that for somebody else. That's the way I see it. They pulled me off the streets at just the right time. And I think if I could help them, they could go do that for other people. And that's the way I see it. I own that debt and I owe all the other people out there doing the dumb shit that I was doing that debt too. Mm-hmm. And so it's twofold, right? If I can get you trained up and you need to catch that motherfucker, you need to catch that kid. You know that kid that's running for me right now? That kid that's high on meth that's running for me? I did meth every single day for six years. Like Some people say, oh, I fucked around and party. No, I did it every day. <laughs> I did it every single day for six years. Maybe I took it to Europe with me. Will do. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, people are like, you take pre-workout? I'm like, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, Come on. pre-workout. They're like, they're like, does it make you get jitters? I'm like, no. No. But, but all joking aside, every day mm-hmm. for six years. Sometimes we stayed up for, for 18 days straight, 20 days straight, no sleep. I know you've done it. Boogie monsters. Yeah, all day. So when I can, if I can help the police in, in, this, in our area, in my area, and anywhere, go out and help somebody else, stop them from dying, stop them from, from killing someone else that they didn't mean to kill because they're all fucked up on drugs, and pull them off the streets, and I'm all about that. But it also... It's also unique because you take somebody like Kyle, who's going through his, you know, health issue, cancer, the one that we can all connect on, right? And all I got to do is say it. All I got to do is put it in the social media post. He is suffering from cancer and everybody, it's like magnets. Everybody comes together. People of all walks of life. All races, all sexes, no matter what. Especially if they've even experienced it themselves, it's tenfold. What's unique about this theory of mine about the universal empathy is that you don't even have to have experienced it. You're still afraid of it. Because you know your health is all you got, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other shit where like, you somebody might say, you know, they went bankrupt, their business went bankrupt, and you're successful right now. And you're like, man, I hope that doesn't happen to me. But it's not emotional. You don't tie mm-hmm. to it. It might be something you think about occasionally, but you don't connect with them really because you're still successful. Now, if you came to me tomorrow and told me you had some sort of ailment that you weren't going to be able to make it through, it's going to change my life. And so that's the degree I'm talking about. And so when we, I stood on the ring when we did the first challenge day and there's 16 police officers from four different police departments standing in my club. I told them, I was like, man, this is ironic. You know what I mean? I'm a felon. And I'm not a DUI felon. I'm a fucking felon. Like, I did a lot of bad shit. And I'm sitting right here with all of you guys, and my heart is full because you're here. And that's because of this movement. That's because of this idea. That's because I believe that if we can get more people in the gym, more people moving, more people we can 
There's no other tool that we have that can bring people together more than this. I just truly believe it. And for me, once I sat down in the club the other day and really looked at what was going on, that's when I sent you that message and I was like, we need to talk again. We need to talk about it. We really do. So, yeah, for me, that that's the heart of it. I really truly believe that our, our, our health and our movement is our only really true universal empathy. And I believe that you can you can scale that across the globe. Think of think of uh, sports. What was the first thing we started joking about when I walked in today was sports. Stinking Forty ers Yeah, you dressed like you dressed like you were at the game. <laughs> Justin, for those of you that can't see, Justin right now is uh, sitting in my house with a uh, red shirt that says Godfidence and uh, some Harbaugh khakis and some red shoes. And he said it's uh, for Sunday, but. It, it's football Sunday. <laughs> and so from, from what I've known of Justin over the past year, that he's a hardcore Raiders fan, or at least he yeah. thinks he's a hardcore Raiders fan, but subconscious mind is an incredible way of doing things, and you know nothing really happens by, by pure uh, coincidence. He's dripping red and gold. <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> Sunday, I'll tell you why. Sundays are different for me. Sundays used to be football Sundays until the Raiders made me so mad one Sunday that I was a complete jerk to my wife, a complete jerk to my kids. It lasted all day. And from then on, I have never missed church for football unless I'm out of town. Or you're dressed in Niners gear. And what I happen to wear today is not reflective of the San Francisco State and 49 What's the 49ers record? I don't know. You're a liar. You're a liar. 6-0? Yeah, six and oh now? you know what it is. 6-0? Yeah. How many That's games great. have been played this year? You know we ain't lost yet. Well, well. Pride comes for the fall, buddy. Mm. But just, but I just want to touch on what you're saying, man. I mean, what I think people listening to this probably do not understand is coming from the background that Dennis has came from and to have a high regard for law enforcement is not something that's typical. And even to take that a step further, to come from the type of incarceration that Dennis went from and even make something of his life is an anomaly. You know, I, I had a friend that had a brother that was released out of Segu and he lasted maybe three months and could not assimilate into society and ended up taking his own life. I mean, it is not something that, you know, the, the, the California prison system is, is vastly broken. And they, they, they say that it's the California Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections, and that's not it. They're not, there's not rehabilitation in there. 65% recidivism rate overall within, I think it's like 120 days. Out of ADSEG and the shoe, it's a 90% recidivism. That's right. And, and well, you know, the California prison system is a moneymaker. There's, there's money in keeping these guys incarcerated. Most, and, most powerful workers union in the state. That's right. That's right. But, you know, for, for Dennis to have this vision while he was incarcerated and have this manifest into something so amazing, and that's where, you know, I think the, the Livermore experience has been different than maybe some of the other clubs because of the Grassroots Foundation. You know what I mean? And to be able to, I, you know, I tell you, I came into this club and and I, only by, because I was so burnt out of my own physical journey. You know what I mean? Like, I and I was not a class guy. I didn't like that whole thing. And I didn't, uh, I would go to the gym by myself. I wouldn't work out with anybody else. And um, the atmosphere that has been created at Omni was something different. It was palpable. You could touch it, you feel it, you could experience it much differently than anything that I'd ever um, experienced. And I didn't understand why until me and Dennis were downtown one, one 
uh, weekend at, at the Honey and Wine Festival and he shared his story and then I made the connection of why it was different. Because there was love and passion and feeling behind it and intention. The, the be intentional uh, motto of Omni Fight Club is 100% on purpose. That's not, that's not just a catchphrase by any means. Um, you know, and then it, it, when you create a platform, the amazing thing about this, this entity that is Omni is these opportunities for community to come together. And I'm all about people and community and touching lives and giving back and doing all these things. But uh, when you have a connection with somebody like the Hendrickson family, and, I, and I've kind of made my connection with this family late, to be honest. And it wasn't until as of recently that I started to kind of follow the sto story more uh, intently. And I have not been emotionally impacted as much as I have by the loss of this man that I've never met, ever. I've, ne I've, I've experienced death and I've been around things. And this, was, this whole experience of this man and seeing him fight and seeing his kids and meeting his family and being able to follow him on social media and seeing what his life looked like and here here I come from a different background and the same as Dennis of of criminal activity and making bad decisions and bad choices and I too am in, in the realm of thanking law enforcement I've had conversations with a police officer saying thank you for somebody like you that changed my life because if I didn't I would have been dead on the side of the freeway or in some house or in jail somewhere but but because you took the time to pull over a car one night and, and thank God that 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 God had a plan for me and a plan for Dennis and that I was able to change my life. But there's so many people that go into that, that realm of, of criminality that have this disdain for law enforcement. Even when they are not doing bad things anymore, they still do not like the police department. And, uh, you know, for this man that, that put on that badge daily to protect and serve the community and had a family and, and to be able to connect with these other law enforcement individuals and come together as a community and uh, to see this man almost lining up what the inevitable was going to happen was, um, I guess, something that I wasn't quite prepared for to feel that. I think, I think all of that was intentional. I think that I, I never got the opportunity to meet Kyle, but what you guys just said was um, there was a sense of community followed up by the communication that was involved to be a social through Omni Fight Club that tied everybody together and what that brought was unity. Mm -hmm. and, and I heard from a uh, client of mine this week that he had no idea that, that I had any connection to him. And I didn't know either. I rarely, did, didn't really pay attention, but through social, um, we had posted a video last week when we did the challenge mm -hmm. and he immediately came over to me and was like, Hey, how did you, how did you know him? Mm -hmm. And so I started explaining to it and then he went in depth and about his relationship with the family and something that he said to me that keeps like ringing over is that he goes, you know, even though you never met him and stuff, he's, he's like, and he was a police officer. He goes, he was different. He was a different cat. And, and I think seeing for me at least seeing the pictures of his family and seeing you know his wife and seeing a lot of the people that actually go to the gym kind of tie through him that is where i made the emotional connection because i seen some of myself or some of my friends in him exactly mm -hmm. and that's where it really gets powerful 
and the way that the three of us and everybody else that's kind of involved in in the process can connect with it is through physical physical like you guys the reason why i did i ran the six miles to to omni that day for the challenge and then did the challenge and went through that whole process is because you guys both posted the video that said we're gonna do it six times <laughs> and i was like there's i, I was scared your option was, like, was better bro i was like i can't i cannot do that i literally like watched it i was like I'm, I'm not doing that so i chose to run there in the morning and then go do my thing which was my my choice but it, it once again tied together by health I think one of the the things I told Amanda this the other night, I think that that this experience was unique because, well, first, before I get into that, one of the, I want to thank, you know, our, our friend Viviana is the one who introduced us to their cause and the family and everything they were going through. And so it's thankful for her for doing that. She does a lot of stuff like that that goes without being thanked. And so I think the reason that I personally, and maybe for you guys to connect with him is his age. He's our age, right? And he's and he's going through something like that. His kids, we all have similar number of kids. Um, he the videos that were shared of him dancing with his daughter, mm-hmm. right? The baseball stuff. We all do those things, and he's our age. And so, that to me was like, this shit is real. Like, then I thought about the time of diagnosis for him to today, to this last week, <clears throat> that's fast. It's less than a year. So from the time you might find out something like that, to be, like, it's a blink of an eye. And so for me, that's what really started to get me, get me all tore up about it. I was looking at the kids and being like, yeah, one year. And the hardest thing about it, the hardest thing about those, about those, uh, diagnosis is that you don't do anything right you didn't go out like I used to do and do a drug you didn't decide to cheat something to didn't overindulge in anything you didn't make a bad choice you, it's just the card you were dealt and so watching him have the strength that he had that was powerful and what I, what I tied that back to is um when I first got in trouble, I was, you know, fuck everybody. Shit. Like, it's everybody else's fault. Yeah, it's totally everyone else's fault. <laughs> it was all 100% my fault. And I caused, like, almost every single thing that happened to me to happen and, and negated almost every opportunity to, to accept help. But, you know, it, it, I was still angry and mad at everybody because things were changing for me and I was so high on drugs that I didn't understand it. And so I had an attitude about it, right? And those were all cards I dealt myself. A diagnosis like that is a card that's dealt to you for no good reason. Mm-hmm. And so the, the strength that it takes to remain humble, remain strong, to still smile, to be there for your family for as long as you can, after that is remarkable to me. And so I thought about that, and I thought about two years into my, into my sentence, I got in trouble again. But this time it was for something I actually didn't do. And I got a year added to my sentence. And when that happened, it was the first time in my life, I call that, for me, when I, when I write about this or talk about this or share it with people, what I call it is that's when I knew I had grown up. Because it was the first time in my life where I was like, yeah, you might not have done this, but you're in fucking prison, stupid. 
What about all the other stuff they didn't catch you yeah. for? <laughs> not just that, but you're not supposed to fucking be here. Yeah. So whatever happens while you're here, that's on you still. Because you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. The whole entire thing is your fault. And whatever happens while you're here is your fault. And so it took me a minute. It took me a minute. And it was the moment that I feel like I grew up. It took me a minute. I got handed down a year, added to my sentence, and a year that I was going to spend inside of a tiny little box. And it was going to be the hardest year ever. And I didn't know it was going to be scary as fuck because it's where all the craziest criminals in the country are at. And through part of that process, you know, you get... I laugh at when people say that there's bad treatment like in Guantanamo Bay and shit. They should go to Chino. Because, <laughs> you know, you get... It's bad. And one of, the, one of the things is you get... This isn't even that bad, but it's one that I remember. And we're handcuffed to a chair in our boxers in a room full of guys in suits and that's your hearing on whether you did it or not demoralizing <laughs> yeah you're in boxers handcuffed to a fucking chair with a guy with an M16 behind or a <laughs> Mini 14 behind you like how the fuck is this fair you know what I mean like, and they're all in suits and their uniforms and all decorated and all and you're just sitting there in your boxers like damn like alright this is what we're going through but it was that moment where I was like you know this is my fault and this, no matter what, I didn't do this particular thing, but my dumbass put myself here to be susceptible to this. It's my fault. So when I think about people like him, I, I am exponentially in awe of their strength because I could hardly find the strength to get the things that I went through. And that was on me. Mm-hmm. That was all my fault. You know what I mean? Like I made the decisions that led to these consequences. When you're dealt something like he was dealt, you did not deserve it. You did not get you didn't over, like I said, you didn't overindulge. You didn't cheat. You didn't do it wrong. You didn't break the law. You didn't do anything to anybody. You were just dealt this thing. And to find strength to get up and still be a good dad and get up and still be a good husband and that's that's some serious stuff right there to me. And when, so I found a lot of power in that and I found a lot of strength in him through that. And that that's really I connected pretty strong with that. Well, th- a thousand percent, bro. Like. To even think, you know, and especially he's a police officer, so he's in good shape. And even for us to make that connection, being people that are in fitness, right? Like, he gets this diagnosis that he didn't earn in any sort of way. And and now, you know, conceptually, we have a lifetime to solidify our legacy. And now you have a, a year, potentially, yeah. or maybe shorter. I mean, when you, get, month. when you get something handed down like that, you never, never know. Now your whole, your whole thought process has to change. And... That really, like, we, like you said earlier, everybody's experienced somebody that has had some sort of cancer. I mean, it's, it is so rampant right now. It, it seems like a large part of the population has been touched in some way by this disease. You know, to, to watch my father-in-law eight or nine years ago pass away from bladder cancer and see his fight and struggle. Now, his fight and struggle was 10 years long, you know, before he ended up succumbing to his disease and uh, to see where that took him at points in his life. And, but now to see a guy that I identify a little bit more with, with being the age and see, I mean, the vi- being able to connect with him buying the jewelry for his daughters and the, the bat and the, I'm like, he is somebody that is just like me. Yeah. He, he just has a different job, but he is they, about his wife's post about their balance of work life balance and, and vacations. And I'm like that. I, I connected with that in such a way and it's tangible tangible and it it 
prompted a conversation between me and my son because I had came down on him. And I was so, I was so impacted by this man, uh, the way he'd interacted with his kids in his last days of life. And I had this conversation with my son and I said, son, you don't understand that when I come down on you that I'm trying to raise you as a man, right? And, and I don't know when my time will come. And hopefully that time is when I'm 90 years old. But when you, when you look at this, this police officer that was 36 years old and his time came then, that was the card that he was dealt. You know, we, we have to utilize this time that we're on this planet to the best of our ability and not let opportunities pass us by. Not to stop for a minute and encourage somebody to, to pound on the mat when they're doing their push-ups. It, it takes minimal effort for us to slow ourselves down just a little bit to be able to impact the people and the loved ones around us. And I, I hope to God that it doesn't take somebody to get a diagnosis for them to finally realize that it's time to slow down and reassess their priorities in their life. What I, what I think people need to gain ultimately from this, and this might sound hard or harsh or whatever, but at the end of the day, what you're going through ain't that fucking bad. Like, you know what I mean? No, like, that's a real statement. Yeah, like I, I get so frustrated with people when they complain about dumb shit. Like you're complaining about what? You can, you, you think you got it hard because of what? Like really? Like stop it. Like get perspective. And so for people who might be younger or older or whatever it is, like these stories should should give perspective. It should give like a a clear a clarity for people. You know to to. To, to think a little bit more and be less harsh on yourself, be less judgmental to yourself. And really, I, and this again, this might sound like a dick thing to say too, but I think, I think most of the time, those are people, when people try to overplay a situation, make it more complicated or hard than it is, is really just an excuse for themselves. They're just looking for a reason to, to not perform or not do something or you know oh it's so hard for me so I can't do this it's all a lot of bullshit right and so <laughs> when you when you think of something like that like the perspective that it should give you is just overwhelming it's overwhelming yeah what I think people lack is is empathy and I think that empathy overall is lacking because nobody really looks at other people with an open mind enough of an open mind to learn from their experiences in order to gain empathy for them. So I'm too busy preemptively judging your experience <laughs> yeah. in order for me to really gain any empathy. And if I cannot, without judgment, and with an open mind, just listen to you, then I can never gain empathy from your experience unless I have to go through the trial myself. Why do you hold yourself back and say things like this might be harsh or it might you know sound like a dick like what I still say I still say what I have to say but the reason yeah, what's the, the reason disclaimer I, about the reason I preface it sometimes is because I want people to to regroup before I say something that might turn them off because I don't want them to be turned off I want them to be I want them to be compelled you want and, them to hear your heart yeah so it, the disclaimer is being preemptive like get ready because I'm going to say something I'm talking straight to your fucking face and you know it. You know what I mean? Like I deal with it with, with employees. I deal with it with friends. They come to me and they tell me they're having a hard time. So I'm like, no, you're fucking not. You don't even know what a hard time is. Like right now, life is easy. I've had a lot of conversations recently with young people that are single with no, or you know, just 
them and their loved one or whatever it may be, them and a significant other, they got no kids, they got one job, they got a little apartment. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You don't even know what life is like yet. Right now, you should be so happy for the simplicity that you live in that nothing should ever be able to take from that. But they struggle still. And so when I have that disclaimer, that's the reason. There's something I want to, I want to talk about before I forget. And your uh, run that you're going to do is what inspired me to do this. So I can't, I can't be a part of the run and everything. And I really am inspired by what you're doing and the amount of training you've gone through. One of the things I've told you before that, that I've only said to a few other people is, in my business, we, I talk to thousands of people, right? And it used to be even more people when I would travel and I would speak. And people would always tell me, they would be like, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to drink less. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exercise more. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. And they tell me all these crazy plans, right? And I'd be like, fucking ain't do it. You know, just do it. Can't wait to see you do it. And of all the gyms and all the places I've ever been to, there's always been a few people who would actually do it. And the rest of the people would look at him like, oh, that person's crazy. Right now, you're the crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally understandable. And that. I, you know what I love? I love when someone says, man, he's really, he's, he's really over the top. I'm like, why do you see it as over the top? When he's in, and what I tell them is the reason you see it as over the top is because you are insulted by the fact that he is thrown in your face that he's doing exactly what you said you would do and you didn't. That's right. He's doing exactly what you said you're too busy to do and he has as much of a workload as you. He's doing exactly what you said you needed to do for your family and you're not. And so pinning the over the top and crazy pin on him is your own defense. It's a defense mechanism against accepting the fact that you can't fucking do it. Because you don't have the willpower and the discipline. Period. Because we got the tools, right? Mm -hmm. I yeah, got, we have them. We, got we have them. them. <laughs> I had them for, uh, uh, what? My first gym that I joined was when I was 21. And I'm still part of the gym. It's a number gym. Even numbers. <laughs> um, but uh, my wife and I signed up for that. And I was signed up for it. Not to actually supposed to be working out there all the time. But to meet her. That's where I, I, you know, met the love of my life. And then from that point, we signed up for Omni. And that's where everything changed. Look, the tools are there. Mm -hmm. The tools are inside that gym. The tools are inside our gyms. The tools are right and here the on people, the fucking street. They're inside of the people. Yeah, yeah, the tools are right here on the street. You put straps and fucking shoes on and go get it done. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, I love the fact that you were throwing in everyone's face that all they got to do is do it. I love it. I love it. I love, I love that, you know, so... so. That's, it's, it's at the bare middle. So you broke it. You broke your theory, your idea down to health, right? And community and that. And that, that's, that's beautiful. For me, that's what it is. Is I think in the last podcast that I did with Spiritual Evolution, I don't think I know. I said Nike said it with too many words. They had just do it. It's do it. Yeah. Do it. Like uh, Jocko says, what does he say? Uh, good when shit happens to him? Mm -hmm. uh, where he said, good. It's, you just have to do it. You got to get up and do it. When people ask, Kev, how do you find the time? Well, I wake up at three. I wake up earlier. It's, you know what's funny? It. Remember we did the strip it down challenge? No. What was that? Were a part of that. The journaling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Dream big. Yeah, yeah dream big. Dream yeah. big. Told everyone. You know, put away your phone, put away yeah. the music, put away all this. Don't even listen to anything. Just be in some silence yeah. and write. Yeah. And so many people 
they were too busy for 15 minutes. They were too busy for a half hour. They couldn't get it done. And what was interesting is at that time, you weren't, you weren't speaking out as much. And when, when you did start speaking out, you were doing a lot of the things that we talked about in that challenge. And you've taken all of the books you've read and you've implemented a little bit piece of something. I can tell when you've read a new book. I could tell when you've heard something that was impactful to you because you implement pieces and parts of it. And it's exciting for me to watch. And so I just wanted to share that with you, that I think, it, I think it's great that um, you're putting a lot of people on notice that their excuses are bullshit and that if they really just want to do it, they can. And what's really cool about it is that you have a family, you have kids, you have a job, you travel a lot, you have all of those things, so it removes all of the excuses, right? Like you, you can't, like I always say, you want to compare notes. Yeah. You can't compare notes because I got all that shit too. Mm. You're still doing it. That's powerful. The other thing that I wanted to, to share with you is that um, the Rooms of Hope stuff that you're doing. So um, I just, since we've been sitting here, let me make sure she says yes before I say anything. Hold on, I think she said yes. No, it's moved forward. <laughs> You're going your glasses out right there. I know. <laughs> right now, for those of you that are sitting in silence, we're literally Dennis sitting here trying to read his phone. Dennis watches, trying to read his phone with his glasses off. <laughs> Apparently, he's got a text or an email or something here, so we're just uh, kind of waiting in silence. I was I I was quiet because I I was feeling the energy that was in this room is pretty yeah. powerful. Yeah, the three of us haven't really ever been in a room together where we're not physically moving. Mm. We're actually sitting on a couch, just chilling. Justin's in uh, Niners. I'm colors. not. <laughs> uh, well, just to, just to kind of go along with what Dennis is saying about you, Kevin. Being that you're such a big proponent of social media, so people can are following your journey, right? Yeah, but it's but out there. In the in the grand scheme of of everything, is is that too often we can get caught up in the minutiae and busyness of life yep. to impact positive change. And you, you would look at it like, well, are you taking time away from your family? Are you doing that? What I've, what I, you, what I've noticed about my family, what I've noticed about yours, and, and then, is that when you make these positive changes for yourself, the family unit rises. Yeah. You know what I mean? Course. Like your kids, your kids are watching, and they want to do what daddy d does. Yep. And not necessarily the same journey, because I always tell my kids, I said, you're going to do greater things than me. And I want you to do greater things than me. And when they, when they see this, this legacy changing to this positive pathway, they're like, I see a joy in my dad mm -hmm. that I never saw before. I see a joy in my mom that I've never seen before. We can we can recite books to them all day long. We can say you should do this and you shouldn't do that all day long. The generations behind us are watching. Mm -hmm. They're watching, and and if you can create an example of how to live your life to the fullest, to respect the physical temple that you've been dealt, utilize the time that we're on this planet as best as we can to positively impact the people around us and the community around us. Watch what the next generations are going to do. Yeah. They're going to stop being offended about stupid BS. Mm -hmm. They're going to give respect where respect's due, and this world is going to change. It's not even just, uh, 
you know, I, in my brain, I immediately went to one generation or next generation. So there was a study done with uh, mice years ago. And uh, they would let them smell, I think it was like almond oil or something like that. And so the mouse would smell the almond oil and they would shock them when they smelled the almond oil, right? And then the mice had babies or whatever, and the next generation, they did the same thing. They discovered that like four or five generations later, when a mouse smelled almond oil, I think it was almost almond or coconut, they still would stay away from it because they had stuck in their, their, their senses and their genetics that they were going to get shocked. Generational curse. Right? And so it's not one, two, four generations later, you now have an opportunity to change. So what you're doing today is positive. If you do what we're telling you to do is just get moving, you're changing your DNA, your generation. You're changing the next generation coming behind you. But then you start to influence generations far past, which you're not even going to physically be here. That's amazing. Like, people sit around and say they want to change the world. Well, fucking change the world doing that. Because yeah. that's pretty positively effective. Well, change starts Change starts in the home, right? right. It has, to, it has totally. to start in the four walls. We, get, right. we can get caught up on... And where's living... the home? The home is where? Right? Your four walls? Yeah. Where your family is? Yeah. But where's the first real home? in us it's in our heart it's it's in us you have to change yourself before you can positively change everybody else along the way yeah that's how it goes man pretty simple so i got the green light i don't know what you're about to say and i love it (laughs) do you no but i think i do so uh with the rooms of hope stuff that you've been doing i wanted to get a little bit more involved with uh with the beer growing the november event and all of that so i reached out to brooke um a few days ago and I said, hey, you know, why don't, why don't for the $20 buy-in, why don't we add a two weeks free at Omni Fight Club? And, awesome. uh, and for your $20 buy-in. And she said, you know, let me think about it. Let's see how we can figure it out and make it work. Um, and on top of that, why don't we, if you get your two weeks free and you come in and you like it and you end up converting and you convert during November, then I'll donate 50% of your first month. Back to Rooms of Hope. Whoa, that's wow. fantastic. So she just came back and um, she said, yes, let's do it. So Awesome. So we'll be doing that and hopefully we can have a big impact. We're also going to give the winner um, of the, the fundraising either a single person one year free. Yeah, Or they can cool. have two six months for them and their spouse or something. Awesome. That is that's big. Amazing. That is that's huge. Yeah, so she just she just said, yes, let's do it. So so we're in. And Thank that you was, for that. That's awesome. That was inspired also by your by your run and just randomly doing stuff to, to give back and help out, which we try to do as much as we can. Mm. And last year, I really, I watched how hard Brooke and her team and everybody worked on this event. And yeah. I really wanted to be involved more. And so. It's a powerful event. It is, and I'm excited that that, uh, that she was able to, to, to do this with us. And I know it's not easy because there's a lot of businesses in town. Yeah. There's a lot of people who want to be involved and a lot of people want to give back. And, mm. and so I know, you know, having us do this much in one event uh, can be hard. You don't want to look like you're choosing one place over another. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate her giving us the opportunity, and, and uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Awesome. That's huge. Yeah. Woo-hoo. So, um... So when, uh, unless you know the parameters of it, you can go over it again, but it sounds like we'll probably, uh, on the post actually just do a follow-up for everybody so that they know what the opportunity is, let's say. 
Yeah, so she just said yes today. So we'll and November second is the kickoff of that uh, beards and brew. And what what Dennis is start was starting to talk about is on the um, Oct- I'm sorry, yeah October twenty sixth, which is next Saturday. I'm going to be running a hundred miles, um, uh, Livermore Pleasant in Castor Valley, San Ramon, Walnut Creek, and then all the way back down. So it should take me approximately about thirty hours. But that hundred mile run is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, road run and it's uh, involving rooms of hope to raise money for them as well um, it's a just 100 miles has been a personal goal for me since uh, i chose sobriety a year ago this year i did a half marathon then three weeks later everyone said i was going to hurt myself and did a, a marathon in oakland and then a couple weeks later after that everyone said i was going to hurt myself again but i ran 50 miles from livermore to san francisco so it's just been an adventure for me to try to see what physical outcomes I can go and I still haven't hurt myself yet and so we'll see what that, happens um, but uh, so that's what he's talking about there and then November 2nd is the kickoff for the uh, Beards and Brew for Rooms of Hope uh, at First Street Ale House so that's where yeah. this will come out what we're going to do is uh, we'll have a table there at the event uh-huh. and we'll I'll have, be there too yeah. we'll have some people working that table Handing out the <clears throat> when they get their 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 tag or their thing to participate in the in the fundraiser, then they'll also get a, a card from us that says two weeks free. Awesome. They come in, activate their two weeks, and if they convert to a member in November, then uh, we'll donate fifty percent back. Awesome! Yeah, I love it. That's fantastic. So, for the people that don't know, what is Rooms of Hope? So, Rooms of Hope is a local organization out of San Ramon that raises funds and uh, does events for uh, essentially children that have uh, life-altering, you know, um, experiences where it'd be usually physical health. Um, is it terminal uh, stuff? Challenges. Sometimes it's terminal. Um, however, oftentimes it's just, you know, a, a, a major uh, health issue. Yeah. And so um, the projects that they do with from these organizations, uh, from these events is uh, essentially they... Um, fix up the child's rooms you know they give the, the child uh, some hope to you know that that child once again is very similar to Kyle where he's they're just going through this process they were given the hand you know that that they're trying to deal with and the whole process the idea is to fix their room up and oftentimes they assist with the um, the uh, rent for the home and lock those in I've heard stories from them that they uh one of the, the final um, hopes and desires of uh, one of the children that was, um, I believe, passed away was to make sure that his family was okay and safe. And they happened to live in a, um, in a, uh, a mobile home. And so they were able to suffice a mobile home for him and do all that. So, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a great organization and it's local. And I love supporting local as well. And any, any organization that involves children. Um, being that our daughter went through what she went through, I love giving back to. Um, and for this one, it was the opportunity to assist in the JW household rooms of hope, and just went with that. With That's amazing, hope. man. Yeah. It's pretty cool that the um, coming here to Livermore has been kind of landing in the right spot for us. You know, but we have gyms now in six states, and all of them are unique, and all of them are now like really getting into the omniculture a lot of people don't know that they don't you know i'm gonna say it, a lot of people don't pay attention to to what is actually going on with omni and what's happening in that realm of omni but it's growing 
Yeah, we, you know, we, just like any other business, we have our ups and our downs, we have our struggles, we have our successes, but, you know, the big thing is, for me, coming out of, out of, um, in 2008, having just one tiny little personal training gym, smaller than your living room, to where we are now, we have a deal with the biggest fitness company in the world, um, to build gyms with them. A lot of people, they don't understand, a lot of people think, oh, as soon as you get bigger, where you they can touch they look at that like oh it's it's different now um, or it's it has a different purpose now but what people don't understand is that the impact that was created here in Livermore needs to be recreated mm-hmm. and it needs to be recreated as many fucking times as we can recreate it yeah. and there will be times where we attempt to go into communities and places and we're not able to but more often than not we're gonna be able to do it again and you know, the Henriksen family is a prime example because that is a Pleasanton connection. It's not a Livermore connection. That's a Pleasanton connection. We did their, their big fundraiser for them back in January in Pleasanton at the Pleasanton Club. Um, Viviana, who connected me with them, is a Pleasanton realtor. Um, she's, she lives in Pleasanton. So that is a community that we grew to outside of Livermore that we were able to have a very big impact in. And Right now, up in Washington, we're growing there too, and we just started our first private members page there. Um, there's a few hundred people on that, and we're growing there and impacting the same thing. We just did a women's self-defense workshop up there. Um, mm. We have several members who've been there since April now who are losing weight and feeling strong and getting stronger, and they're really just starting to learn the community and who we are and how important it is to, to keep moving and how movement and, and all of that connects them. Um, so, yeah, people people have a misconception about growth. Growth can be um, something that is that is without heart, emotion, or feeling, or it can be something that is done in order to recreate and share the impact and and try to repeat it. Yeah, and a large way that you guys do it and, and all of us do it is through the Omni Facebook page. That, you know, it's a, it's a closed group. Um, however, a lot of the information that gets shared from the closed group gets shared onto the public group. But for those that are not on social and stay away from it, but are part of the gym, they're missing a huge opportunity of connection yeah. and communication, which is the unity from it. And I always go back to that whole digital family tree thing where I, everybody says that you cannot build deep relationships with people on social. But the reality is, is that I've discovered easily, and all of us have as well, that you can meet somebody on social, not physically meet them in person, but still gain a compassion and and relationship with them and have empathy for them. And then when you finally physically meet them, it's high fives and hugs and and, and, you know, you're connected. Look, check it out. The only reason you ever are not able to build relationships with somebody on any form is if you're just an asshole. <laughs> Touché. Like, yeah. like, I mean, come on. I can't build a true relationship with you on social. Why the fuck not? Why, yeah. may, maybe because you're closed-minded and narrow-minded and fucking not insightful and you're a prick, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you're, you just don't want to. But look, if you're going to open up your mind and you're going to be willing to learn as much as you can about somebody through something and love them for what you do and know about them, your relationship is going to be fantastic. Yep. If you go into a digital relationship with somebody, whether you know them on social media, through a gym, or through anything other group that you've connected with them on, and you assume that the things you don't know about them that aren't being shared digitally are bad, yeah, your relationship is going to suck, but you're an asshole for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can't go into anything, any relationship, whether it be in person, through social media, or otherwise, assuming that the things you don't know are negative, 
or else the relationship will never be good. That's true for us personally too, in yep. person. If I meet you today and we, we're in the gym together working out, but in the back of my mind, I think the things I don't know about you must be bad, then we'll never have a good relationship. Yep. So the same, the same is true for social. People who say that are the people who don't know how to communicate digitally and are afraid of communicating digitally or otherwise are just not really good at meeting people, period. And so I laugh when people are like, oh, yeah. Well, Social media or Facebook doesn't allow for real relationships. I beg to differ. <laughs> We've seen a, it. It's a complete farce. And the example of the three of us sitting in this room is a prime example. Yeah, it is. I knew Kevin. We didn't have a connection when I first knew him in the club. Yeah. He posted on social media something that he was currently struggling with, which in turn, Dennis reached out to me and said, you need to sit down with Kevin. I had never had a conversation with Kevin. But I met Kevin one day for coffee, and we had an instant connection. So based on a social media post, yep. instant human connection, and now I have a lifelong friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what exactly I think it, it does, what I think it does, is it it provides an opportunity. There's so there's a lot of people like. Let me think of a a current, most recent example. This shit happens to me. We just go, like, yeah, you get you tagged you have, a lot You, stuff, you have 875 <laughs> notifications in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people get upset when you just like a like a picture. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, what a dick. Um, yeah. I think, pro okay, so the, the I could give you is um, for with Stacy Roth. She just posted uh, a photo of her from a photo shoot she did. Brown chicken brown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sure. I commented on it with something that is from my heart, something that, that I know to be true about her yep. and her family. And look, at the end of the day, Stacy will never hold still in front of me long enough for me to say those things to her. <laughs> yeah. And and it's the truth. And if I did, she it would she it wouldn't have the same impact because it would make everybody uncomfortable and nervous for a minute. And you wouldn't be able to, to, to say it to one another and really truly feel it where I can write something like that to yeah. somebody. She can read it, she can absorb it on her own. And she knows I mean it because she knows me. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we can connect today in the club with a big hug and it's all good and we know yep. why we're hugging. And what did you do? You you took time out of your life to do that. And that's what that's the a huge important thing is that taking time from one person to another to do that, to make that connection is, is what matters. Man. I have about 30 Facebook pages of some sort or another. Yeah. And... 5,000 people on my personal page, yep. or 4,500 or something. They like haven't that. capped you yet? They verified you on all that stuff? Or? No, I keep it under. Yeah, I keep, it under. keep it under. Yeah, I do. And so, to me, what people mistake as, if someone clicks like or comments, that's time. That to, For me, it is. Yeah. Because I, I will not just randomly comment or 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 react is the right word yeah. to anything i won't i'll scroll right past that shit if it doesn't do nothing for me <laughs> yeah. like i won't just be like oh fuck more of these people i know this person <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i know this person so i'm another supposed to like another, it yeah, another supposed to like it. from kev again damn it <laughs> i won't do it you know there, yeah, you've no. you've posted plenty of shit yeah. that i haven't responded to yeah because it wasn't speaking to me it was speaking to different people yeah. in your life and that's okay, mm -hmm. but but if I've taken the time, and I believe this to be true about anybody who comments or clicks on anything that I share, 100% of the time, it is not going to be for everybody. Believe mm -hmm. that. 100% of the time, <laughs> it is not for everybody. I, 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 I as well. I as well. 
Sometimes it's only for one person. Yeah. And sometimes that one person sees it. And yeah. It's perfect. Like I hope, I hope every anyone who gets this far into this and really listens, one hundred percent of the time, what I said is not for everybody. Yep. Yeah. And it, and and that go that's true for anything anyone says. Because if if what you're saying all the time is your intent for it to be good for everybody, you're generic, fake, and lame. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not keeping it real. So yeah, the social media side for me is a real place to connect if you're genuine and you're sincere in your heart as a human in a personal connection in real life you can do that on social yeah yeah if you're not then you can't and being a part of that the livermore group page when i got a, a drink the dream big page earlier this year i removed myself from there because um, i was starting to delete things out of my life and but i stayed in the omni uh, closed book page that page alone has created fomo for me where when i couple months ago when I was struggling to get into the gym often I'd be sitting here flipping through on the couch or something and I'd see it and I go darn it I'm going to the gym and I'd, I'd go but it accelerated the process for me now I don't even need to see it to want to go like I just want to go it's just part of my process so yeah so on the yeah. business end of things that's yeah. exactly why we do it mm-hmm. right yep. it's to get you out it's to it's to make you feel that way because mm-hmm. your friends and the people you connected with are there yep. and it's Engagement. to keep you connected with the gym when you're not there yep. <clears throat> for sure but at the end of the day, it's just a place for people to feel safe about, you know, their journey in, in fitness or whatever it is and share. Yeah. And share stuff because, you know, although there's a lot of people on that page, you can at least assume that they've all experienced the struggle of what is working out. Yeah. And the movement. Yeah. So you feel a little bit of safety and connection inside of that, inside of those private pages. My wife's one of them. She posted yesterday. Uh, a picture from a year ago amazing I saw and it. I was proud one because she posted something of that <laughs> yeah but two like she has struggled over the past six to eight months of not seeing the physical Result. difference in the results but more recently over the past couple of weeks people have been coming up to her and telling her that asking her if she's been working out because it you know it, it um, it's fitting on her and and now all of a sudden she's starting to see that and it's been a real struggle for her because of my physical change and mental change but now that she posted that I'm like you can see it mm-hmm. you can see the difference and there's been so much cool support so I'm happy for that that's a good thing that's a really good thing well it's amazing when all the components come together yeah and it's not like of course you want the byproduct of working out to get the compliment, but that's not why we do it, right? Yeah. We, we do it because at one point I was severely overweight, fresh out of rehab, shaved all the dang facial hair off my face and <laughs> left a little soul patch, and I cannot believe my wife let me have that because I looked ridiculous. But when you, when you hone in on, on to, the, to the mental health and the physical health, and you're able to marry those together in, a, in an amazing, pure fashion, what happens yep. you know what I mean and, and I, I tell everybody my, my wife is one of them I throw that stupid scale away you know what's funny I had this conversation about you and Jenny the other day and you could tell me if I'm wrong but I assumed I was right <laughs> so shocking <laughs> the, the look that he glared over when he said I assumed I was right was like a side look of like I'm gonna say it anyway because I know I was right but, <laughs> but, but I, have to, I have to preface the conversation yeah, yeah. with I might not be right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> the the we were talking uh, me and one of my business partners 
and you're talking about all the stuff that you're doing and that's I, I you know I said what I think is really cool is that you're doing what you in I'm gonna tie this into what you said in a second, but you're doing what you know you need to do for you personally. First, it's having a good impact on your family. It's having a good impact on your marriage, I would assume. Yep. But you're doing what you're doing for you initially, and then that will bleed out to something positive for everybody else. But you're doing it in a big way, in, a, in your own way, and what I like to sit back and see, and this is where I, I assumed that I that I understood it, is that Jenny supports you, but isn't running next to you, and doesn't need to be running next to you to support you. And even if it's something where, oh, that was kind of fucking crazy, that's okay, because the overarching ultimate success of it all together is is palpable. And I can, I from the outside and everyone else who's actually with an open mind paying attention can see your guys' relationship changing piece by piece uh-huh. and the connection of you guys getting closer and closer piece by piece. And so I thought it was special because she didn't need to be running side by side with you on your journey but could still support you on your journey. And that's really fucking cool because one of the biggest excuses that we get in helping people change their life is their spouse or their kids. I can't do it because then I'll have to eat a different meal than all my kids. <laughs> yeah. I can't... I, no, but seriously. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't do it because... It disrupts my household if I get up that early. Yeah, I can't do it because if I go to bed early, I'm missing out on something at night. Like the the one of the main and primary excuses is people to say that it will have this adverse effect on their family if they make a drastic change to their personal habit, which is the opposite. It's totally fucking it's totally bullshit. opposite. For those of you that don't know what adverse is, because I don't, but. It's, it's not negative. It's actually an entirely positive thing that happens. And the reason... So you nailed it fairly... Uh, okay, there's you some things that are missing. Right. There's you some can, things that are missing. You can say I was right. It's However, okay. here's the thing. So, <laughs> so okay, just say it. She cannot <laughs> run next to me. That's the thing. She, she, it just... I, I needed massive change. And for massive change to happen, I needed massive action to take place. So I... Fortunately and unfortunately... Don't use my wife as the excuse to get out there and just do it. Some people, like, though, some people, they though, if they know they constantly do, but some people, going back to what you said about she can't run next to you, is that some people that's the easiest out. Yeah. Is because she can't. Right. And, and to Jenny's credit, yeah. It's also the one of the biggest things we see spouses pull the other person back on. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, right. So to her credit, from what I can see, She's not doing that. Yeah. She's not saying, I don't run at that speed and I don't want to fucking do yeah, that. Yeah, no. And so no. come here where most yeah. spouses will. Right. And they will fucking pull you back. And a, a really good example is is I've gone through sections of time where I'm training for something I'll stop drinking. And it's not like I'm like, well, Amanda, you can't have wine either. Right. Right. But what kind of shit is that? Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's that, BS. Yeah, it's BS. It's total yeah. BS. If you're going to do what you're going to do, do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Don't make me fucking do it. You fucking do it. Yeah. And if you're going to do it, I can't be the one that's going to try to yank you back right. and tell you to stop it. So that's incredibly rare, though, Yeah, is my point. It is incredibly rare. You guys are doing it, but it is fucking rare. It shouldn't be. So here's the thing. I wish it wasn't. The first question when I started doing this, I always got was, oh, what do you do for work? And I would tell them, and I'd be like, that's what I do. And, oh, you're really busy, so your, must, your wife must not work. Huh? She must stay home with the kids. And I'm like, no, she fucking works full time. Actually, she also does this and this and this. Like... We all have super busy schedules. Then they ask, how do you do it? Okay, here's how we do it. For those of you that made it this far, 
we talk to each other. Yeah. And we go, hey, I want to work out with you, right? And she says, well, uh, there's no way in hell that I'm waking up at 5.30 in the morning with your dumb ass. And I said, well, when are you going to the gym? She goes, 5.30. So what did I do? I wanted to work out with everybody else in the morning because I knew that that's where I was getting my best workout. And then I go to work doing my stuff. And then at 5.30, guess what? I go PM back to the gym with Jenny and some of the people she wants to hang out with. And I work out with them so I can keep my body moving. But what do I call it? It's date night. <laughs> so we get five days a week of date night at the gym together. Hanging out, chilling. <laughs> and what do we do? The kids are home doing their schoolwork or doing whatever, figuring that shit out. And Jenny and I will go to the grocery store and go pick up some of these things. We have an it's hour. cutting edge, Kevin. Dude, That's cutting edge. 60 minutes of time. <laughs> we get to hang out, smelling, sweating with each other, and moving. And I personally believe that those that sweat together stay together. Yeah. It's, it's, That's, it's simple. That's, at, at the end, now it is. Now at, it's simple. At the end of the day, yeah. the, 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 the simple science, or the, maybe not so simple science of it is that you really, you know, those are when your body and your mind and your chemistry is firing. Oh, like, yeah. Happy times. And if you can be together during that time then that's really, really good. Yeah. Look, you know, the what you guys are doing is I appreciate unique. that, though. Yeah, it's unique. Right. It's cool. Yeah, we, you know. And when you got people sitting in other houses that don't know you talking about that impact, yeah. then you know you're doing something special. Yeah. That's yeah, it's, it, you run the theory, right? So a couple of years ago, um, there was a massive email that got sent out about a lot of stuff where somebody was talking about my wife and I and my family and everything else, and it really negatively affected us. Like, so much so that we all ended up in therapy over it. And, uh, and I, I took it to social and went, here, this is what we're going to do about it. And oh, there was a lot of negative angst that came out of it. But what I discovered at that time was that there's always going to be haters and people that don't really give you the time of day to understand perspectively what you're doing. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm entirely okay well, with that. Well, I've been through that quite personally. You know, you dude. have? You like once or twice it. before? <laughs> I just actually found the video of all of us at the, uh, yeah. <laughs> at the restaurant the other yeah, day. Yeah, you, you got the email. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so when the, the, you talked about um, this, going back to you and Jenny and kind of, of planning and stuff. And yeah. so for Amanda and I, we've, as you guys know, and you guys have only known us for, uh, for half of it, right? Because we've yep. been married seven years, I think. Mm. I should know that, but it's like seven years. <laughs> and and uh, so you guys have known us for about three of that, and what we and we've it, life before you knew us, what you know about it now, how how fast we move and everything that we're mm -hmm. doing, it it was always that way. Um, there were less children, so it was a little easier. Yeah, but <laughs> one of the things my friends would always ask me is like, how, you know, how are you guys staying together through this stuff, and what you know, how do you how do you guys how do you guys do it and. What we started doing really early on is we would sit down and we would say, for the next 12 months, this is what's going to happen, at least what we think, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to work toward this goal. And it's usually me having to justify what kind of crazy shit I was going to go try to, to do. understand. <laughs> and so I'd be like, all right, for the next 12 months, we're going to be working this many hours a day. It's going to be really hard. We're going to plan our, some date nights. We're going to plan some time together. We're going to plan a vacation in the middle of it. We're going to know that at some point in these 12 months, there's going to come a time where we're fucking furious with one another. And we're going to start to yell at one another. But one of us has to remember to look back on tonight and say that this was part of the plan as well. Mm. Not just the plan of the whole 12 months, but this fight was actually part of the plan. Remember? We planned to do this tonight. Yeah. We just didn't know which... <laughs> We didn't know, we didn't know yeah, when it was going to land. Level. You know what I mean? We didn't yeah. know which night it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And so we're all right. 
So this isn't some fall off the cliff fucking crazy and you know end all be all fucking fight. This is something we knew was coming. Yeah. And we also knew that we would get over it and that we would be okay as long as we talked through it. And so That's you, powerful. you yeah, you prepped those things. And so we would do that. We would find this life changing event that was going to happen, and we would say, "Here's day one. Here's day whatever," and we give ourselves that time. Well, but the the end of that accountability is that. Let's say it was me moving to a company that was brand new off the ground and I thought I could fucking do amazing things with them or a real life example is, that was a real one too, but another real one is we start we try to start a software company, right? And we're gonna do this new platform and I told her we're not gonna make any money for a while, it's gonna be really, really hard and we're gonna go through this. And But when I get to this point, if I still haven't gotten where I said I was gonna go, I promise to shut it down and refocus on something different. And that agreement, that start and finish, that fight in the middle, maybe three or four fights, whatever it is, we've agreed that it's all going to happen. But you got to live up to the end of it too, right? You got to you got to be able to, with ultimate humility, assess that you did or didn't make it, mm-hmm. and refocus like you promised. So the business side of me goes to you run your life and relationship really uh, like a business very similar to to the way that Jenny and I run it, but we also have a business exit strategy when it comes to that situation. You have to. Is that you're like, okay, this is like one of the companies that I own is the food tour, right? This was one of the things that we were going to do and this is the steps that we were going to take and along the way, every six months to a year, we re reassess where we're at with it to continue on or, or keep it there. And, and you always have to be conversing because even though you may not be in I don't know your situation, but even though you may not be in business with your loved one or significant other, you're still in the relationship, which is really a business. Like, that's what it's all about. You're in business together. That's it. Whether they're on the books or not. Yeah, you're in business together, for sure. For sure. Whether they got titles in the company or not. Yeah. You're in business together. And early on, you know, let's not get it twisted. Amanda's been working for Cisco full time this entire time. Right. Right. So a lot of people will see her at the gym and be like, so what are you doing? She's like, I work full. (laughs) I've been with Cisco for 13 years, motherfucker. Like, I have a full-time job and three kids, but I have a full-time fucking job. And some people are like, really? Like, (laughs) If all this comes crumbling down, one of us needs a real team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've been in the fitness business for a long time. I already know i got to have a shirt on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This shit can blow up any minute. Yeah. I've been been known. We call that steady Eddie in our house. Jenny's been with her company for 23 years. Yeah. That's that's the steady Eddie. She stays consistent. She doesn't really make a huge change mine's like this like i'll go through like you know broke zero income to doing great how many times yeah yeah. i had a conversation with a friend the other day she's just steady i've done i've been three three so far like just total crash twenty dollars in the bank account yeah going what are we gonna do with this money right here yeah but all of a sudden and every time you get every time you don't start from the bottom you with no experience, you start a level up with more experience, and you just keep kind of yeah. going upwards. Yeah, those things are both. Stuff. Those things are good and bad. I've done it four or five times, yeah. and they're good and bad because there's the good. The good is that you get stronger and smarter and more resilient in your bet in your business. Yeah, mind becomes better. The bad part is you start to have this this concept of. of <laughs> immortality yeah you do and because okay so what if i fucking lose i'm gonna i'm gonna go all in i'm gonna go crazy i'm gonna go all in i'm gonna go what i believe in and you and it leads to sometimes having a a misconception of of what could go wrong nine lives yeah it's 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 a little risky 
Yeah. But I've my whole life has been that way because of where we grew up and watching my dad do business. My dad is relentless in his business. <laughs> relentless. You know what I mean? And so watching him do business, he will go all in on everything. Yeah. I think he did it today with the 49ers and they didn't cover the spread. <laughs> <laughs> so You just have to have confidence. Yeah. Confidence. My, yeah. Man, do you wish you would have put your outfit on earlier this morning? <laughs> I, I didn't know, actually want to church. We do definitely treat ourselves that way, like, you know, very heavy. When we don't do it, we can feel the tension is different than when we do plan like that. Mm. So when you you guys doing that, it makes sense to me because we, we have to. Yeah. And then the accountability is clear. You, you know, you can keep each other yeah. accountable to that plan a lot easier, especially yeah. if you write it down. We're not catching everything, right? Like it's not. It's like we're catching the basics of it all, like the date night thing, the five, you know, five thirty. I I know that every now and then, like the other day, I brought some roses home, and she hates flowers, but I brought it for her anyways because it was a good gesture. Just little things like that. But, but we still you, have our you, tough times. You, you call know? it the basics, but what what's more important than that? Yeah. Well, found foundationally though, you know, we're created to be in partnership with yeah. a spouse, you know, and. So many times when that marital unit will take a hit, and if it falls by the wayside, how much more will it be affected by that? So to come in, to come in likeness and communication and have that strong foundation that no matter what happens, we're going to fight, but we're going to get over it. And, and don't let that fight go into something further than it needs to be and have this understanding and say, look, we're, we're in this together to create this life balance whatever that looks like for the individual, because it all looks different for each one of us. So the, the, the word you used earlier, the exit strategy, when, when Amanda and I started dating, and it didn't take long for me to realize this, she was the first person that I was with that I didn't have one. Ever. Like relationship Yeah, that yeah, I didn't have yeah, yeah. an exit strategy mm -hmm. for that relationship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And if people are really honest with themselves, I'll bet... 10% of the people can actually truthfully say that they don't have one. That they don't, and it's not one where like I got a secret bank account, right? but it's one where I've thought about if this ends right now, like I'm gonna be all right and I'm gonna go do this. Mm. Like that's some damaging chip away at, at reality shit right there, mm -hmm. to even have that on your mind. Mm -hmm. And when I went into the relationship with her and not having that yeah. was the first time like the first, very first time. And it's a game changer because then it's it's so much easier. Because if you know you're all in and you're 100% all in, the fight is a fight. Like, you know, yeah. I'm gonna get mad and probably say shit that I shouldn't say, but but it's not chipping away at anything except for a couple of hours tonight. Mm -hmm. Where in every other relationship I've ever been in, if you've made me mad, oh. <laughs> Watch what I wanna do. <laughs> yeah, you're on thin ice now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's chipping away at stuff now. I'm gonna thinner. stay up for 18 days. It's getting thinner. <laughs> yeah, it's getting thinner. And then uh, it would always break. And so I, one of the things I would say is for anyone who who's listening, like if you're not in a relationship or we're getting into a relationship, if you have those thoughts in your head already, or if you had those yeah. thoughts in your head in the beginning, you either need to completely 100% address those things and say it out loud to one another, so that it can be gotten past. And yep. the only thing you ever get past is shit you say out loud. Just by the way. You can't you can't keep it in and be like I'm gonna be all right I'm gonna forget about that no, no. You're not. no you're not it boils over yeah you, you're gonna it's gonna chip away and so I would say to anybody who's listening I know there's a lot of people who who listen to to you guys that will be listening to this 
who are in those new relationships, if you've had that thought already, just get it out in the open and get it past it or get gone. Yeah. You mean? Bounce now. Fuck it. And don't sit about it and think about it on the couch. Go out, get moving, and think about it then. Go for a run. Go work out. Go think about it then. Because there's a... There's a chemical process that happens that will allow you to think clear. You can get your oxygen in. Like, that's that's a real thing of what has gotten me to where I am today. Is that it? Just sitting on the couch thinking and dwelling about something is way. It just doesn't work. It just sent me into a viral depression where when I went out and started actually physically working out at the gym, running and doing all these things. Now I get a different component and thought process out of it. It helps my business. It helps my relationships. It helps my communication. It helps my creativity. It's helping my nutrition. Like it's helps help me spiritually. Yeah. Just all of it, all of it. But it all started by physically moving and going. I'm gonna commit to this, actually in the revolution, just for a year, and see what happens. Using revolution as like revitalized solutions. And just to see what happens in 365 days. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And now I'm like, there's no going back. I, I don't even know who I was prior. Yeah. <laughs> it's been well, a fun it's, game. It's too, who are, oh. you, who are you surrounding yourself with too is a big, super big, important big component of that, man. If you're, if you're seeking advice from a bunch of guys that have broken marriages, man, it's probably not the <laughs> right people to get the advice yeah. from, man. You want to surround yourself with positive, like-minded thinking people that are going to be able to build you up and not be a bunch of yes men and yes women. They're going to tell you what you want to hear, that what you think is a good idea is a good idea when it's really not. Yeah, 100%. So, we got any final words here? We uh, we just took this to a lot of beautiful places. We got some yeah. exciting things happening. No, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you setting this up and making the time. Yeah. Yeah. I hope uh, the Seattle Seahawks are getting their ass kicked right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. I definitely am excited for, I hope people listen. I hope people take it to heart because... A lot of good stuff, so thank yeah. you guys. A lot of big announcements coming up over the next couple uh, weeks, and if uh, anybody needs to find you, Dennis, where you go? Facebook, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always there. Yeah. That's lurking. for all of us. Lurking, liking. <laughs> lurking, <not> liking. <laughs> and if he happens to only like your stuff and not comment, don't worry about it. Maybe. He still loves it's you. It's all good. <laughs> hey, Siri. What's the score of the Seattle Seahawks game? 13-13 at the half. Uh, Seattle will win. <laughs>